think it's very important. People start to get much more understanding upon all the elements in the world. Everything is communicating with each other. And I think it's time now that we start to understand that much, much better and show a little bit more respect to it. We are part of nature. Nature is not part of us. Okay, my fellow water fanatics, I have a banger lined up for you today. This is episode 430, how to transform your drinking water into a healing liquid crystalline elixir with Analemma creators, Dr. Eric Lariker and Dolph Zantich. And of course, you'll find complete show notes, links, and transcripts at lukestory.com slash structure. The show notes will also provide links to a dozen or so prior podcasts I've published on the topic of water, one about which I am ever increasingly fascinated. And for those of you who enjoyed my recent shows with both Austin Veda and Gerald Pollack, this one is definitely going to pack a punch. Now, I discovered the Analemma structuring wand a couple months ago due to my borderline obsession with this idea of restructuring water. And I've tried many such devices to achieve this. And I got to say, after using the Amalema wand for a while, then gaining a deeper understanding in this interview, I'm more excited than ever to share what these two have come up with. We cover the following topics and many more in this episode. How Dolph and Eric joined forces to work for 13 years to create this highly effective but simple product. The negative effects of EMF on the water in our bodies. The standard practices our society has adopted that cause water to lose its natural order or structure. How the mother water in this wand is created and how it passes on its structure to the water you expose it to. We also talk about Veda Austin's recent and incredible demonstration of what analemma does to water, how this quartz crystal wand can save your plants like it has mine, how to structure larger bodies of water such as ice baths and even swimming pools, how sunlight keeps the mother water inside the vessel thriving, the surprising and free ways you can restructure your own water, and what's coming next for Analemma, their vision for how they can structure the entire world of water. It's a tall order, but they might just do it. And if you're a kindred spirit of mine in the pursuit of making water as awesome as possible, you'll probably want to get an Analemma wand yourself after hearing this interview. To do so, visit lukestory.com slash Analemma. That's A-N-A-L-E-M-M-A. lukestory.com slash Analemma. And these guys have kindly provided a 5% discount code for our listeners as well, which is Luke5. Now, you'll also find this link and code in the notes on your podcast app, by the way. Okay, that's it. Time to buckle up, take a deep breath, drink a glass of pure water, then get ready to explore the fascinating world of Analemma on the Lifestylist podcast. Dolph and Eric, welcome to the Lifestylist podcast. Thank you, Luke. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you guys, man. I am uh, I am literally a water fanatic and have been for, I don't know, I mean, probably my whole life. I've just been drawn to water in, in all its applications from swimming in all the different waters of nature to exploring ways to optimize water. And I've done had a number of podcasts on it at this point. Um, so this will be another one in that series. So people familiar with uh, my passion and water are really going to dig this. And for those listening that um, just think water's H2O and it's just a clear liquid that's around and we drink here and there, um, we're going to be really diving deep into it. So I'm excited to talk to two scientifically minded people uh, about the nature of water. 
as we begin, I'm really curious how you two met. I understand you've been working together for a very long time, but I, I've yet to hear the origin story of how you connected and aligned your expertise and passion with one another. <clears throat> the story started uh, 40, 15 years ago. Eric is a veterinarian, and my wife was uh, having a horse. So she always talked about uh, how Eric is healing horses. And, uh, and then uh, at a certain moment, uh, I contacted him. And we met, and from that moment up, we are keeping on speaking with each other. And uh, we were very excited, but also concerned about many issues that is taking place in the world. And uh, we were able to uh, to take over a laboratory from a famous professor in Germany, Professor Pop, who was working in biophotons. And then we uh, sat together, and then... Uh, we had so many questions upon what is happening in the world. Why are there suddenly so many strange diseases, allergies, new types of cancers, uh, also cancers, uh, animals, suddenly a lot of cancers. So we had so many questions and we had a lot of doubts upon uh, the existing protocols that were in the health uh, area. So uh, Eric and I, we, uh, we sat together many times and then we said, let's do the research. And from one, we moved on. And finally, we had a whole research team around us. And that is how it all started 40, 50 years ago. Was this uh, Fritz Pop? Yep. That yeah. was, could you give the, I've just heard the name as someone who's very revered scientifically. Could you give a little background on uh, on him and how you acquired that lab? That, that sounds interesting. Well, um, actually, we were, checking out how can we research life, and that's not so easy. And uh, Fritz Pop, actually, he was the inventor of the idea that living system, they uh, collect and they give out, they produce biophotons, uh, which are large, large particles. And he developed a system, how to measure it in dark chambers. Uh, he published he did many publications on it, so he got world famous with it. And he had his laboratory in Neuss in Germany. And we got to know one of the people who worked over there. And when he came to the age that he had to stop because of uh, certain diseases, uh, we decided, you know, get a whole lab from uh, Germany to Holland with all the people who work over there. So we got a whole staff, five people. Uh, we didn't have any clue at that moment what was happening over there. So we you know, looked in all the research that had been done and started new research, doing our plans, see what happens in life, what are biophotons. And uh, actually, it was for us a good first step to see actually what life is and how can you measure, uh, like, for instance, if you have an organic tomato or a non-organic tomato, they look the same, or maybe even a non-organic looks better, but are not the same. And in biophoton, doing measuring the biophotons, you can see a lot of answers to that. I mean, that means if you have more biophotons, like in a tomato, it means there's a lot more life into it. You know, there's a lot more energy into it. So we developed new ways to measure, like carousels, where you can measure seeds. And that's actually how we ended up quickly in water because we saw when we gave different waters to different seeds up to seeds and see what happens you immediately see that seeds start to respond to different waters and that's how a whole journey starts started. wow wow that's that's fascinating that that's a very fateful occurrence you know as someone who 
was so respected as uh, as this pop character was for you guys to meet like that and be able to you know not only get access to his lab but also his staff that's that's fascinating that's one of those things that's got to be meant to be right um i'm curious about the biophoton piece would that be what we're seeing in krillian photography or um as they're uh, as as it's used to take a photo of a tomato or someone's aura or something like that. Is that what we're seeing in that type of photography? No. An aura is different. An aura is constantly fluctuating, also in colors. So uh, what you do with uh, Kilian photography is that, yes, you measure energy. Yes. And, but in biophotons, you have an ongoing, repeatable scientific background. So you can measure it, and it has a different impact because you can measure it like a killing as well. You can also measure a mineral. You can measure it on plants. That in that respect, it's the same. But what a killing is the outside energy that you measure. In this case, you measure the inside energy, how all things are connected to each other and how the communication between certain forms into a biological system, how they communicate with each other. So what we saw was the communication system inside. Oh, interesting. Fire light. So with light, light became for us a language. So the language of light became very important for us. Yeah, it's very important to me. I would say my two greatest passions are probably water and light. I'm also I'm also fascinated by light, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about the interconnectedness of both of those elements. Uh, that's really interesting. You, you guys created this... Um, this device, a product called the Analemma. So this is a, a quartz vessel, and this is just the protective sort of sheath that it goes into. And then you take this vessel and actually have some really great spring water here. Just for the sake of demonstration, for about 20 or 30 seconds, you uh, submerge and sort of spin or uh, vortex this wand in there. So from what I and we're going to get more into this, but I'm still in the background phase here of the conversation. Um, you guys took some 13 years to actually research and develop this product, which is staggering because when you look at it, it's beautiful and it's elegantly designed. But it's like, how did that take 13 years? But what I've been curious about um, in studying your your collective story is how how did you guys before you had a company that was sort of the fruits of your research how did you guys fund all of this research and fund the lab i mean not to get too personal but i know for most entrepreneurs 13 years is a long launch pad you know what i mean so i've i've always been curious what were you guys up to you know how how were you able to devote time to the research and the development of this product and also have a life and fund it and all that well we have to go back like what uh, dolph said when we started off uh we did it because we were concerned, you know, what we see on this planet, how things uh, are working. And we, actually, we sort of quickly soon that waters plays a key role in the whole communication system and everything. And we didn't start off to be an entrepreneur, to be honest. We were just, you know, trying to get some answers of how life worked, etc. So, um, but it was a very, very expensive journey. And there's a lot of money from ourselves in. There's a lot of money from also other people in, in it, believed in that whole story. 
where we uh, where we go, going, and you know, but we want to be sure. Why it took 13 years, you have to understand, because most people when they come up with a water device, um, you know, they. Uh, come up with the water device, but it hasn't been proven. You know, it has been done with the pendulum or what people say, what they feel, or, you know, you get maybe a little bit more uh, yield or something like that. But we want to be sure that what we were doing was right. And so we bought a whole greenhouse, about five acres, just for testing. And uh, uh, we tested years after years after years, also to understand how the biology works. For instance, if you have like an organic seed and you give it the water, it becomes better. But if you take the seed again out of the tomato and replant it, it becomes uh, more, it becomes better and better. And up to three, four generations, then it gets stable. And needs time, you know, to uh, come to the complete stability. All the things that we learned from just testing. And it wasn't always that funny, if you know what I mean, uh, especially on uh, money-wise. But that we need to do that. And then another thing is that that took us also a, a, a big part of the journey, how to make the water stable. Because usually, um, if you all the devices that we have been tested before, they do something, they surely do something, but they are not stable. And we live in an environment, uh, maybe not you over there, but over here in our countries, there's everywhere is 4G, 5G coming up. There's a lot of radiation. There's a lot of miscommunication in the soil. There is a lot of uh, uh, toxins and and everywhere. So we want to be sure that that's why we want to do all the tests that the water stays stable. So we did tests which water we created, like you did, you know, uh, and test it after half a year, test it after a year if it still was stable. And that was a big goal for us to make it stable because usually it works for a couple of seconds, half a minute at the max one day, and uh, then it falls back to the non-coherent state, let's put it that way. Wow, wow, that's interesting. So have you guys heard of this woman named uh, Veda Austin? Yeah. I recently interviewed her and she's doing some, for those listening, I'll put the episode with her in the show notes, but it is one of my all-time favorite guests. I mean, talk about someone who really worships water. Uh, but I, I, you, you're probably already aware of this, but when she was here, I was asking her about these different structuring devices and if she could test some of them just for my curiosity, because I promote a couple of them, not, including yours now, because I love it so much. Um, and she eventually did take some photos and, and um, sent them to me on Instagram. And it was really interesting to see the analemma water that she photographed was very unique in its structure. And I'll put the photo in the show notes for people so they don't have to go find it on Instagram. But it's uh, unlike many of the other structured water or water that she prays over, sends intention to, when she freezes the water and takes photos of the crystals, there'll be these really sort of intricate and oftentimes um, just smaller patterns that are sort of fractal and, and repetitious. And the analemma water was just like a, a giant crystal. It was really, really fascinating to see that. And I was so happy that she took the time to uh, to test that. So have, have you guys happened to have seen that particular yeah. photo or have you done we, similar we, tests? We, we, we've seen that test, yes. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, when you guys were... Uh, you know, trying to suss out if you could make your water remain structured. And, and we'll back up and explain what that means for people that don't know. But 
if you created this device over the course of those many years and you wanted to see, okay, what does it look like in six months, a year, as you indicated, Eric, how are you actually doing the testing to see if it's stuck, for lack of a better term? Well, what we did is that most of the tests were done in the agriculture. So then we could keep on testing. In humans, it takes much more longer and then you have much more effects from outside. So we, we were taking maybe 80 types of tomatoes, all kinds of vegetables. So we did all those tests. And what we constantly did is that we didn't do only to the biophotons. At a certain level, we found out that in light, there is a whole frequency band. And it starts in the ultraviolet and it ends up in the infrared. And all of those waveforms from one frequency to another, it's a communication area. Each part of those frequency in light has a different effect upon a biological system. So what we did was constantly looking how is one wave and its tones and its overtones moving to the next frequency level. And that is what we constantly tested. And in that way, we tested many, many waters from all over the world, from Greenland, the Rocky Mountains, Himalayas. And what Eric just said is that there is no stability anymore. That was for us the reason to find out how do you bring back stability in water for a long, long term? And normally you think in vortexes and crystal forms and magnets. All of that was tested. And Eric told you already, within a few minutes, the energy is gone. So we had to find out what are the rules of nature to bring it back in its most powerful form. And that is also why it took so long. We had to go through all those procedures. And that was one of the most interesting parts of the whole adventure, to learn the rules of nature again. Yeah, yeah. There's a, in nature, so fascinating because it's infinitely complex yet simple at the same time. Yeah. You know, whenever you go back to nature, it's just, we, we don't really understand it intellectually, but yet there's an innate part of ourselves that understands the simplicity of it. Like I've always thought in terms of, um, of water and its intelligence or the energy it carries, um, when you look at water in nature, it's continually moving, swirling, vortexing. If you look at a river, um, you know, going back to the work of uh, Victor Schauberger, when we look at a river, it's sort of it looks like it's just making waves that are going up and down and a little to the left and the right, but all of that water is actually spinning in a spiral, but you just can't perceive it with your eye. And so I've always thought about that in relation to what happens to water when it's stagnant. Like here in Texas, I'm always looking for a new swimming hole and uh, there, there's such a fluctuation in the aquifers here that there will be water in a river or a lake for a time seasonally and then it'll go away. And in those times in between, you'll have these stagnant pools of water and you just intuitively know I shouldn't get in there. It doesn't look safe. And why it doesn't look safe would be, you know, the presence of algae and things. But you, you just kind of know that when water is moving, that it's attractive and appealing and you want to get your body in it. And when it's not, when it stands still for too long, as would be the case for a swimming pool, if you don't put chlorine or something in it, right? That water does start to, I mean, it proliferates life, right? Like microorganisms begin to flourish, especially if it's getting a lot of sun. But it's not water that you necessarily would want to interact with, right? You, there's not a there's not an appeal to it, a draw to it. Like there is water that's moving, that's fluid. And then we take water, and and I want to get your perspective on this. But to me, when water is in nature, it's always moving 
um, in circles and spirals and vortexes and, um, and it's never hitting a right angle, right? And it's never sitting still. And then what we do to water is we put it in a big holding tank, set it still, fill it full of chemicals, but you know, which is smart if you don't want pathogens in the water. I mean, I guess it's, it's, you know, made safe in that regard. And then we run it through pipes through our cities and towns and the infrastructure. And then it's our house and it's all right angle pipes. Like everything we do from the point of harvesting water from nature actually degrades it and is totally antithetical to how water wants to be treated and how it behaves on its own with the influences of nature. So I just, I find that really fascinating that humans just have such a knack for ruining things. You know? It's just like, so what's, what's your take on sitting still water versus moving water, how it moves, um, right angles versus curvature, the ways that water behaves in nature, and then after humans get a hold of it? I think you already told the story, more or less, because, I mean, water doesn't bite, uh, like right angles. The first thing what we did in a greenhouse was when we were creating the water, uh, there were no right angles in the greenhouse, or a maximum 45 degrees. When we created the water, there was no electricity. And that's a big issue these days. So, well, our issues, of course, that humans don't understand nature. That also makes a big difference between the past and now. Because in the past, you were walking somewhere, there was this creek, you know, with a beautiful right angle, you get a left vortex, a right, uh, left angle, right vortex, etc., etc. So it vortex itself, so it keeps itself alive constantly. So it didn't need to be that uh, stable, if you know what I mean. So we've been testing old waters, like from Greenland, which is 100,000 years old, which is beautiful. But after, you know, uh, confronting it with uh, like Wi-Fi and stuff like that, it was the same way non-coherent as our own water. So unfortunately, I mean, just a few people uh, uh, on this planet are lucky enough to that they can drink clean water which is, uh, you know, clean water, but also coherent water. And these are two different things anyway. So that's why you say, you have to, if you have your tank over here, you need chemicals, otherwise you have another issue. But for us, that's completely dead water. That's a non-coherent state of water. The molecules don't work together. They're, together. They're just completely chaotic. So what nature does by constantly swirling, by constantly, you know, uh, going from left to the right, it keeps it water alive. It has its own inbuilt system to keep it alive. But who can drink that water these days? Almost nowhere. It's gone. So also the water that we see in the rivers, well, we create canals. You know, we take out the curves because otherwise the ships have to move. Uh, uh, you know, it will take too long time for the ships, etc., etc. So well, we destroyed the water in that sense completely. And there's many things that water, that water doesn't like. One of them is, of course, chemicals, but sometimes you use them. One is that they don't like to go into straight lines, and especially not in straight curves. It hates it, it destroys it. And uh, especially all the radiation, which is now everywhere. I mean, we have this beautiful idea uh, to create 5G satellites and run <laughs> through the uh, when we heard about that, we thought, oh, I mean, now everybody's getting crazy. You know, you radiate the complete clouds through the clouds and you destroy it. I mean, how bad can you think to do that? 
Yeah, so, I'm I'm with you there. I, I I never thought about uh, the idea that you posed about canals, and I'm thinking about um, you know much of agricultural irrigation is built by making straight you know micro canals essentially right to irrigate fields and and such in agriculture. Uh, that's really interesting because as you said that I was picturing the degradation of the land when you introduce water to it in that way. There's all of this erosion. It becomes very unstable. But if you watch a, the ebb and flow of a creek, a stream, a river, it it's flourishing with life, right? It's like not only the water itself that's in its natural formation, but also all of the the life that so ensues around it also seems very abundant. That's That's a really interesting perspective. One of the most powerful tools I've used over the past 25 years of self-healing is the practice of rituals and habits. If I can train myself to repeat something that's really effective, eventually it becomes automatic. So naturally, I'm always interested in using my ritual time wisely by stacking as many positive benefits as possible into the shortest window of time. This is why I love Higher Dose. First, they dropped their epic infrared sauna blanket, then the PEMF infrared mat, and other cool gear like a red light mask. Well, they just pulled off another genius move by launching three new products that are specifically designed to complement their tech gear. First, you got the detox drops. This potent blend of hyperclean ingredients binds to toxins, carrying them out of your body as you get hot and sweat. I like to add this stuff to my water before a workout or sauna session. Then after you've worked up sweat, it's super important to refuel, and that's where their hydration powder comes in. This electrolyte-rich formula supercharges your water with magnesium and a potent blend of B vitamins to replace all the hydration you lost in the sauna. And then last but certainly not least is higher doses chill chews that are magnesium gummies that balance the mind and relax the body. So you can use them to keep yourself calm during the day or even sleep better at night. So Higher Dose nailed it again, folks, by providing all the components needed for detox, healing, and recovery. Get yourself loaded up at higherdose.com today and use my exclusive promo code LUKE15 at checkout to save 15%. That's higherdose.com, D-O-S-E. And again, the code is LUKE15. Eric was talking about chaotic water and coherent water. What does it mean? Because that is the key of the whole story. Because you started with it, you said, a lot of people think that water is just H2O. And that is not the case. It is using the H2O molecules to create a kind of network. And that network carries information. So why is that important? Because Water is collecting electromagnetic fields from outside. So when it is creating a vortex, it creates also the light that is coming from outside, from the sun and the moon, and that brings it into the water. And that creates a coherent system. Coherent system means it creates information. And what we found is that not all the waters in the world carry all this information system. And that was very critical. So we, what we saw is that biological systems are responding to the type of information that is in the water. And that is so crucial. And what is happening with 
the telco world, the telco world is taking out a part of that coherent state. So normally you carry the whole alphabet into the water, but with the telco world now, it takes out between maybe 70, 80% with the latest type of generations of telco devices. So that was for us a critical issue. So every water in the laboratory was tested with it. And then we look, how is it responding to light and what is it doing in a biological system? And every water was damaged, every water. And that is why this was so an important test for us. I can give an example for the, the, that, how important it is on one test that we did to, on seedlings to see how the communication is with the, like Dolph said, with the moon, uh, with all the planets, with uh, the sun, especially the sun. And we found out if we give them coherent water, they start to co connect to the, all the cycles, to the moon cycles, a lot more. There's a lot more communication going on. So the information system in the plant itself dies off. By feeding it coherent water, the whole information system inside of the uh, uh, plants, they become a lot stronger. What does it mean? That's another story. Because if you look, like I said, when you look at the tomato, they look the same. But I rather eat a tomato which has a beautiful communication system inside than a tomato which looks the same, but with no communication system. Because if I eat that tomato when I drink that water, my communication system also will be better. Yeah, yeah. It speaks to the interconnectedness of all nature. And I think this is perhaps why I'm so fascinated with water, A, and also uh, EMF, which is another topic that I've covered ad nauseum in the past six years of doing this podcast. Uh, because here we are in this perfect planet, right? With everything we need in absolute abundance. And we have this knack for short-sightedness right as 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 humans and the search for profit or convenience and um going back to the the satellites carrying um you know but basically giant wi-fi <laughs> wi-fi towers in the sky you know it's just it's astonishing to me that humans are so dumb you know myself included before i knew i was happy to keep my cell phone next to my head when i was sleeping and doing all those things and as you get educated but when you look at things from a systems approach, which I'm getting uh, that you guys do, you start to see how it's not mechanistic and compartmentalized. Everything is interrelated. So when you speak of the that tomato that you're eating being filled with this structured, ordered water, then interfacing with the water in your body and your digestive system and your cells, right? There's a, there's a communication network, not just outside of ourselves, but within ourselves, which is really fascinating. Um, and to your point, I, before I forget to mention this, uh, I, I got this device that you guys make um, a few months ago. And before I really researched it, it was kind of sitting around. I was like, oh, I'll, I'll check it out one of these days. And then, I, you know, just started to get more curious about it and use it and listen to some podcasts that you've been on. So I became very convinced that it was having a positive impact on my water and, and noticeably the taste and feel of the water, like the mouthfeel, which is very subtle. And of course, uh, subject to placebo, obviously. Uh, but what I started doing was taking my spring water or uh, filtered water, and then 
I put it in a big jug and I spin the wand in there and then I water all of my plants with it. And it's crazy. I mean, seriously, how well my plants are doing because I have tons of big plants in the house. I'm getting more all the time. And people come over and they always say, especially being a guy, I think they say, dude, your plants look great. How do you keep them all alive? You know, because I don't think many of us naturally have a green thumb, especially for indoor plants, which can be challenging. And I really honestly believe a lot of the um, the health of my plants can be attributed to me every time I water them. Now I'm doing this and they're super happy. I also talk to them and I mean, I communicate with the plants as crazy as that might sound to some people, but I'm always giving them love, asking them what they need, what they don't need. Do you want more water, less water? Polish their leaves with mayonnaise and just, it's like I'm hugging them. So it might be a combination of all of that, but there's definitely a marked change in the vitality of these plants after using uh, what you guys do to water. It's, it's bananas. It's absolutely true. I can tell you the latest test that we did uh, with uh, some local universities here in Europe. Oh, cool. We are very fascinated about polluted soil because all over the world we see that uh, in agriculture they use a lot of uh, toxins nowadays. And what's happening is that uh, the bacteria and the fungi that you need into the soil, which is, by the way, also part of your own body when you eat it, uh, is destroyed. And then this is why you get a, a whole chain of problems into the agriculture. But what we did is that uh, we took uh, soil that was uh, treated for 10 years with these toxins. And then we collected rainwater, and uh, that rainwater was two months old. And then we treated it with our device, what you just showed, with a similar device, only a little bit bigger. And then we cut that water for three months. Did nothing, only three months cut it there. And then we were growing tomatoes, a whole bunch of tomatoes on polluted soil and treated soil. Then the universities, they took a number of tests. One of them was the biophotons. And they said, this is amazing, much more life. But for another test, we used DNA. And that was very interesting. So the university, local university said, we saw an increase in the bacteria growth of those bacteria that you need with more than 60%. Wow. Wow. After two months. That's Crazy. That's so cool. Um, I'm assuming in your long-term vision that, well, I'm going to just make the assumption, tell me whether I'm right or wrong, that you guys foresee being able to scale this technology into larger devices and, and treat larger bodies of water or use it in agriculture or different, you know, larger scale projects. Is that something no, that you're hoping to do? We have the devices already. We have the technology and we do have the devices. Really? Yes, we do. Wow. Wow. Uh, tell, me, tell me if I'm crazy here. Uh, because of the effect that this was having on my plants and the fact that it makes my water taste even more delicious, and I'm fortunate to have some really good spring water here that's not been you know, UV'd or anything. It's just completely straight out of the ground. I also started, in addition to doing it to the plants and myself, going into my ice bath and waving the wand around in there for a while. Uh, and I use purified water in there. I mean, I'm like I said, I'm nuts. Uh, do you think that, you know, uh, soaking, and I've also done it in our bathtub, actually. I made my wife a nice bath with some Epsom salts and magnesium and essential oils, and I'll spin it around in the bath. And I don't know if it's in my head or not. It could be both. But do you think that that 
is having a discernible positive effect on one's body um, just from external exposure to the water versus drinking it? Of course. Because, I mean, uh, there's not much difference from the inside and the outside. And uh, you have to, there are two ways to look at it. One is from the perspective that actually they found out that your energy field is like uh, uh, the same as around the Earth. Yeah, it's like you have a watery field around you, there's vapor around you. So you change that energy field around you by feeding it the right water. That's one thing. The second thing is that we are bacteria in our body and on our body. We have uh, uh, everywhere on your skin, uh, there are more than 1,000 types of bacteria on your skin. And uh, the crucial thing we found uh, in agriculture, but also in tests that we did on humans, uh, later on we can talk about that, that its crucial part is the microbiome. The good, the right bacteria, as you know, uh, a right microbiome uh, in your gut has about 11, 1500 sorts of bacteria, different species. And the more uh, uh, different species you have, the more healthy your gut is. And the same thing is from the outside on your skin. So actually, you're feeding the bacteria on your skin with the right type of water. And there's going to be more communication. So yes, I mean, I do the same thing. I vapor it also around on my plants. Actually, when I feel a little bit dizzy, when I work too long behind a computer, I put it to spray it around a little bit around my head and it clears up. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that. So that's interesting about the the layer of vapor around your body. It's So we individually as people have sort of an ionosphere of sorts uh, around us as well. So above, so below. I mean, we have an atmosphere around the planet. Right. Uh, uh, we look at it as, as a living thing. The same thing for you. And uh, I mean, it's, you can measure it. We didn't do it ourselves, but I saw some research that actually there you have a vapor field around you. And it's not only energy. It's always a combination of three important things. Water, information, and microbiome. And they all work together. These are the perfect triangle. And actually, water is the communication system. The, the, we look at it as a kind of quantum computer, bioquantum computer. Uh, it's not like a real quantum computer, maybe, but like a bioquantum computer, which, um, uh, well, actually, I mean, water is a broadband absorber for all the electromagnetic fields. What people don't realize, it's quite funny, that we learn at school that the atmosphere absorbs uh, 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 almost all the incoming uh, bad energy out of, from the sun and everywhere. Otherwise, we could not live over here, the cosmic gamma rays, etc. cetera. Uh, look it up at the internet. Water is a broadband absorber of all the electromagnetic fields, except, except a part of the infrared, the visible light, and a part of the UV. You know, it's quite astonishing how intelligent water is in that way otherwise it would be dark on this planet you realize you otherwise you couldn't look through water then water water would be dark if it would uh, absorb you know the the same what it does with uh, uv and uh, the outer uv with uh, the x-rays etc etc so water there is kind of truly intelligent in it oh that's so interesting what a trip that brings to mind when you 
observe different bodies of water, how they take on different colors. But when you put water in a clear glass, it's just clear, right? It's the, the way light affects water and how different waters with, I guess, a different mineral composition um, behave under UV light is also really interesting. Just looking at the blue ocean that's not actually blue, right? It, it's made to appear blue. I, I just think that's so fascinating. Um, take me back to, because we, we we kind of, and thank you for digressing us to explain ordered or structured water versus chaotic or, or kind of dead water. But take me back to the, uh, the EMF stuff that you guys have done with water. I think this is really interesting um, in what you first spoke of in that our whole planet is essentially blanketed in this these radio frequencies and electric fields in our homes and all of that. Um, and that that's having an effect on, you know, the entire water supply of the planet, essentially, or at least the water above ground. Have you guys done any testing where you put a cell phone or a Wi-Fi router next to water or anything like that to show a major detriment to close proximity exposure or anything of that nature? Oh, yeah. Uh, Hold 4 and 5G is one of our favorites. I can tell you one of the researches that uh, has taken place in, in Europe, and it will be published within a few months from now. But uh, we will tell you now already the outcome. They took normal water and uh, they uh, put 5G on it. And in every water, there is normally there are certain bacteria, and uh, they put in the frequencies. And what they found is that the harmful bacteria are growing dramatically. And that is why Eric and I are really focused now on bringing this water now to the world. Because what Eric just said is that if we are going to bring in 100,000 satellites all over the world beaming 5G, what do you think will happen with the rainwater, the rivers and the lakes? Well, we started with, with having a concern, but the concern is only increasing now. And uh, that is why podcasts like you are very important to tell the people, do you know what you're doing? So yes, we do those tests every day. Wow. Wow. Yeah, with the EMF stuff, for me, it's kind of a double-edged sword because it's ubiquitous and relatively hard to avoid. I mean, depending on you know how hard you work on your EMF strategy, I'm I'm pretty into it, so I'm probably better off than many people, but uh, it's everywhere. And as we educate ourselves about it, it can be terrifying, yet the, the fear response and the amygdala response of fight or flight from that education or awareness about it, I think compounds the negative effects of it, right? So it's, it's kind of the biology of belief. Bruce Lipton, I, I interviewed him and we spoke about this. And it's like, if I see a cell tower over there, it's definitely quantifiably having a negative effect on my biology. But if I'm also afraid of it and worried about it, then that's harmful as well. Cortisol, adrenaline, et cetera, whatever's happening uh, it, within one's biology from being afraid. So I'm always kind of on this balancing act of educating myself, helping to educate other people, and also knowing that there are just certain things that are beyond our control. And you kind of have to live your life and put up a protective shield around yourself in whatever way you see fit. But I, th I think that the work you guys are doing is very interesting because it sounds like there's at least potentially the ability to protect ourselves from the inside by having our own bodies, 99% molecularly speaking, you know, our bodies, as you guys well know, uh, we're basically walking bags of water. So what if we were to take structured 
analemma water and drink that exclusively and even bathe in it in my case, um, w- could that potentially make us more resilient to these fields because of your water's ability to remain structured after periods of time? Uh, yes, uh, 100% sure. Uh, there's always a but, and the but the, uh, is that there will always be, will be people who are more sensitive to it than others. And I fully agree. I'm not going into that fear about it. Uh, but on the other hand, we did also tests, you know, on plants, and we saw the effects on plants. And since we're not the only creatures on this planet, and not everybody is capable of buying an analemma plant, I think it would be very wise just, you know, to recognize it. And we are not convinced that all the radiation is bad, if you know what I mean, because there's a lot of radiation coming out of the, the from the sun, etc. And it must be possible to use maybe different frequencies. And it would be a lot wiser first to test which frequencies probably would be less harmful than just use, you know, without testing what we do now with the 5G, without doing any testing. And there is also, you know, like what I heard is in Russia, that our um, uh, allowance in Europe, especially in our country, Holland, is thousand times higher than what we do in Russia. So we won't escape it. And everybody, I mean, I have my, uh, uh, I have my iPhone. Actually, now I'm here on 4G, so it's very handy. Otherwise, I could not do the podcast. So it's a very double, like you said, a very double thing. But acknowledging it, that it can be helpful and, you know, put some effort into it, some money into it and see how we can make it less harmful. That also could be a wise thing. Yeah. I, I always kind of put myself in the future of this fantasy world where we're able, we're able to transmit data wirelessly on frequency bands that are actually supportive to biology <laughs> rather than destructive. Like, I just know it's possible and somebody's probably figured it out and been suppressed or something, you know, but it's like, we're just we're using radiation to carry this data, but as you indicated uh, so correctly, that not all radiation is harmful. So just fundamentally, there has to be a way to use those radio waves to transmit information in frequencies or in in a power that's not as deleterious to life. And and also, I love that you included the plants on this planet as being harmed. And like, let's not even think about the animals, specifically the bees. You know, the bees who are using their own internal radar, essentially, to survive and and thrive. And then that's being interrupted by all of these uh, non-native alien frequencies that that they're being uh, hit, hit with, right? And you don't have to think that hard to realize if there's no more bees, there's no more people after a certain period of time, you know? So it's just like, ah... But, uh, you know, what are you, you going to do? We just have to incrementally take steps. Uh, do you guys foresee a future in which we'll, we would be able to have a wireless technology that is not harmful? I would not be surprised. But, Luke, one thing is very strange. In the world of biology, we think only in terms of chemicals. We forgot completely that there is first energy with frequencies. And if you talk to somebody who has studied biology and you ask them, what is the impact of a certain frequency on a living system? He hasn't got a clue. 
But all light forms are frequencies. Sound is a frequency and it can affect us. Take, for instance, sound. It can bring an emotion in a flash of a second, but it is purely frequency that you pick up. But all those frequencies play a role. And we hardly understand the role of all those frequencies. So if we start to study those frequencies much more, we probably start to get a much more understanding what are the harmonic frequencies and how to deal with them. We need to unsilo the physicist and the biologist and put them together. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But it is the same with healing of people. I mean, you can also heal with sounds. You can heal with, with colors. You can heal with frequencies. We know that. And it works. But we have to learn when, how, how much, all those things. It's a completely new field, but it is very important. And we started, due to the study that we did in the water, we started to understand how sensitive these electromagnetic fields work and what they do to water. It has a direct effect. And that is why we suddenly understood the importance of frequencies. As someone who spends so much time, energy, and money to be healthy, I want to keep track of what's working and what's not. That's why I'm really into this company I found called Inside Tracker. They are an ultra-personalized performance system that analyzes data from your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness tracker to help you optimize your body and reach your health and wellness goals. Through their app and testing protocol, I'm able to get a clear picture of what my body looks like on the inside. And I also get a clear measure of whether my diet, supplement, and exercise choices are helping or even hurting. I did the whole inside tracker deal recently and was actually shocked to find that I was less than perfect in some areas. My cholesterol and B vitamins were high, for example, and a few other things that need a little tweaking. There was, of course, also some good news as my overall health score was that of a much younger person and certainly more optimized than your average American. And that's the point. The whole goal with Inside Tracker is to be optimized, not normal. So they don't merely show you the normal biomarker zones, they show you the optimal biomarker zones and numbers that are best for your individual body. So if you want to check this out, I highly recommend you sign up for Inside Tracker now. You're going to get your testing done, the results of your biomarkers, and then some incredible lifestyle and diet recommendations from their brainiac scientists to help you improve everything you find. Just go to insidetracker.com slash Luke, where you will save 25% off your entire order. That's insidetracker.com slash Luke. In the process of developing this wand, uh, how many iterations did you go through before you were able to get the structure to remain stable? A lot. (laughs) You stopped counting? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It was was an ongoing research. Um, To come back to how important it is, what what it does to... I have to think about one of our first research, what we did. We just took like two quartz plates, uh, half a centimeter thick, and we put water in it. Let the sun shine through and then measure the amount of sunlight which came through, you know, and put it in a diagram on the frequencies. And just changing the water, just half a centimeter, changed the whole structure and the amount of light which came through. So... Water is a broadband absorber for all the electromagnetic fields, and that's very important. That's the most important thing in it. 
So making the water coherent, also what is very important in it, is what kind of energy does it upload? And our the biggest goal was to see that it had this maximum effect on what it uploads. So actually, I dare to say that analemma water doesn't upload uh, the bad frequencies. I'm not going to say that if you drink that water, you're not going to be harmed by it. It's not like, you know, okay, uh, let's uh, uh, sleep on the next ray. Uh, if I drink the water, nothing will harm me. <laughs> that would be a little bit too much. Uh, but the, the, that was one of our goals. And the second of our goal, of course, to make it more stable. But, I mean, it was not like it was an ongoing process, ongoing testing until we found ourselves comfortable in it. And then actually we had to do the test on a human being because a plant is not a human being. Although the biology, and you can discuss about it, the principles are, uh, a lot of things are the same. Because you have the microbiome, you have the water, and you have the communication system. And uh, we also need to do re uh, our research on a human being. It's very hard to see how can you prove infinitively in a body that what we what you do with you uh, with the water that it helps you. So actually, first we need to do a research on what is a good research to do it, and we ended up on the glycinate study. I don't know if you're familiar with it. I did see that on your site. I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah. So the uh, those scientists actually they um, I think they they you can find more than one hundred. Uh, publish, they published more than 100 research on it, how glycans is actually a, a, a good measurement of the aging of your body. It compares the biological aging with uh, your truly physical aging, uh, which how many years you are here on this planet. And this study says something about what is the difference. If you, for instance, uh, when you eat bad food, uh, a lot of stress, uh, uh, harmful frequencies, everything, you know, it works on those glycans and they come down. And uh, so we took that test for us as a kind of ultimate test to see uh, if it changes the body. Because if we are right and we say it enhances the microbiome, the communication, then there should be also something going on in the aging effect. So uh, uh, the participants got a baseline test and uh, uh, then start to drink the water for three months, one and a half liter a day. And they didn't change anything in their lifestyle. So they had the same amount of uh, the same uh, food, uh, the same kind of training, everything what they did normally. And then after three months, uh, we tested them again and we were astounded ourselves, but they got a regression in their age of one to 12 years, only after three months drinking the water. And uh, of course, we're very pleased with that, but we decided, okay, let's go further. So actually at this moment, we're doing a lot of more tests uh, than uh, uh, on different uh, areas in the human body. Uh, we started doing again a double bind placebo uh, controlled study again on glycanage, and the results will be there in about two, three months. Uh, um, at this moment, we are in the middle of a double-blind placebo-controlled microbiome test because uh, we think by drinking the water that you get a more diversity of your, uh, um, of course, of your uh, microbiome. 
And that says something that's very important. The more uh, differentiation there is in the species in your gut, the healthier you are. Uh, another one uh, which we're actually doing right now is the, the brainwave study. And we already proved in the past by drinking the water, the brainwaves become uh, far more coherent. So uh, also that's going to be a double blind placebo test uh, uh, that people drink for uh, do a you know baseline test and then drinking. Uh, we already did the baseline test, and in three months' time, then we're going to test all the people again and see what the brainwaves how they're doing in because they should be because they have a communication between your gut and your uh, brain by the nervous vagus. Uh, uh, we know already for sure because we did a test that there will be a lot more harmony into your brain. So come back to, to your amygdala and your fight and fright. Probably from drinking the water, you will be less frightened. Wow. So a lot wow. popping up, coming up. Uh, we just want to go for the hardcore science, you know, a golden standard for the science and prove that actually what we're saying is right. Wow, that's cool. I love when... Uh people bring some sort of technology or product to market and and actually do the research as well you know and obviously if it's placebo double blind that's helpful <laughs> but you know there's so many different supplements and biohacking devices and all these things out there and you know some of them work and some of them probably don't but i always lean into the ones that are at least spending some time and resources to do some research that I can feel good about spending my money on, taking the time to use it in my life. So I really appreciate that you guys are doing that. And I'm wondering with the the glycan age study that you did, if you're getting a range of, you know, improvement on on biological age between one and 12 years, and everyone's drinking that water exclusively for three months, they're not making any other changes. It, was there a difference in the source water that was being used? You know, is one person drinking a bottled water, the other one reverse osmosis, and the other one tap water? Or did you just supply them with water that had been structured that was from the same original source? No, no, they just got a wand. So that was the only thing what they had. So we want to keep everything the same. If we would provide everybody with the best spring water and make it coherent, you know, the, the, the things will change. So actually... We don't know. It can be because of the lifestyle. Maybe one is drinking a lot more beer than the other one does. I don't know. Right, right, right. So they had to, they kept the same lifestyle, and uh, maybe one person uh, had more stress in their life. Uh, we don't know. Right. So, uh, but we decided to keep everything the same. Otherwise, you can argue afterwards. Yeah, but uh, uh, they changed also the lifestyle, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, but even that, even if it would be one year. In three months, that's already something for me. I mean, not to talk about the 12 years of uh, re-aging. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what if you guys put in 13 years and it didn't work? <laughs> like, <laughs> it was an exciting moment for us. Oh, I bet, man. I bet. it's That's so cool. Um, one of the things that I love about this wand, and I haven't tried it yet because I just haven't taken a trip uh, since I've had it, but I really like... Um, how portable it is. And also there's a, I think on your site, there's a walnut one and then there's this metal one in terms of the holder, but it's also when it's in its little sheath is very small, portable, and it looks pretty indestructible too, which is cool. Uh, so that's, that's one thing that I like because some of the restructuring devices are, are quite large and not practical, but I could see myself 
taking this on the airplane and drinking a Evian water, right? And spinning it in there. It's like you, you can pretty much, as long as you have a clean source of water, you could have a structured order water anywhere, which is really cool. Uh, one thing I'm curious about is why did you elect to use quartz for the actual wand rather than some other glass, a clear glass or Myron glass or any of the different, even colored glasses or anything of that nature? That was a very important question. First of all, I'm going to show you the wooden one as well. Oh, there it's it is. The cool. Wood, wood, yes. That's the same effect inside. Ah, yeah. neat. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, we have it in the stainless steel and the wood. But this is a very important question, and that has everything to do with the quality of quartz. Now, first of all, if you have want, you have to understand that the water inside is uh, more than one year old. It has to go through certain cycles. And only crystal, this, this type of quartz crystal, has the ability to bring the inside energy of that water to the outside energy. Glass can't do it. If you also have glass, not all the UV can come through. Not all the frequencies can come through. So that is why we use quartz. So we only work with materials whereby we do know that the frequencies from outside would play a very critical role in this, can come through and can be added to the water. And that is the reason why we do quartz. Cool. I mean, I love crystals. So <laughs> probably one of the only guys that's like, I think because my wife has them all over the place, I'm kind of like, well, these actually, these are cool. I used to think they were I don't know, just pretty, but had no utilitarian purpose. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, if one was to want to structure a larger body of water. Uh, for example, my spring water from a, a live waters comes in a three and a half gallon glass carboy. I mentioned doing it to a bathtub, ice bath. What if somebody wanted to take their small wand and do your swimming pool, for example? Like how long would you have to go out there and spin it around? Or is it just too big of a body of water to even do with that particular device? It depends a little bit how big your swimming pool is, of course. <laughs> sure, sure. But, uh, um, well, to be honest, we don't know. And uh, But I can give you a nice example. A couple of months ago, there was in a farm, one of the biggest, uh, the biggest farmer magazine, there was a four-page article, which I didn't know about, that actually a big farmer, he just put one of that sticks in his, uh, uh, in his container, you know, while feeding the pigs. And uh, he went to that magazine to tell the people over there, but, listen, I've been using this wand and I have 50% less problems with my pigs. They seem to be more happy and uh, less immune problems and et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and also that's part of the glycanage study because if your glycogen become better, it also means your immune system uh, becomes better. And so everything comes together. And so I was surprised that they just use one wand, you know, like for this big container. So we don't know where the end is. I cannot show you now because, well, I'm somewhere in the mountain in Corsica, but we have the devices now already market ready almost. And we're just waiting for the official improvement uh, that we can do large quantities. We can do pipes like, you know, pipes like this. It doesn't matter. We can run the water through. Uh, I mean, we can do rivers. We can do lakes. We can do everything. Actually, that's wow. one of our goals in the future that um, uh, 
Our goal is to get all the water on this planet coherent again. I if love it. We could achieve that, then we would be very happy. We don't have any business model anymore, but at least we have a nice planet. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's a good self-defeating uh, goal, though. I like that. Yeah, I like that you think really big, too. Because that, you know, that's how things move forward, right? If everyone just had a very attainable, realistic goal, then you would probably achieve that and be done. But that's that's a, quite a daunting one. But I, I like that. I wanted to mention for those listening, too, that I want to check this uh, technology out. You guys have been generous to offer a discount. Thank you for that. Uh, the link for you guys will be in the show notes, but also at lukestory.com slash analemma, A-N-A-L-E-M-M-A. So thank you for that. Uh, I think this is a very worthy investment. I'm happy to promote you guys and what you're doing. As I said, I use it all the time and I find it to be um, very useful and just amazing, actually. Uh, back to the wand and one of my other many curiosities, you refer to the water inside the quartz wand uh, as mother water. And I don't know how much of this is proprietary and unshareable, but like, what is the actual original source water of the water in the wand and why does it take a year to produce it? It's uh, standard water, just mineral water or tap water, but anyway, clean water without chemicals. Yes. And why does it take a year? Because we found out that water has a certain memory. And if you want to absorb nature, you have to go through all the four seasons. You have to absorb the energy of all the four seasons. That is why we found out that that is very critical. Because water must have the ability to work with all those cycles in nature again. And that keeps it in the memory. So we had to find out how does it keep it in the memory, et cetera, et cetera. But for most scientists, this was completely new. Also in our team, all the team members, they were struggling with this because they found this is so strange. But water is completely working with the laws of nature. And that is what we found out. And then we had to go through this whole cycle. It's more than only the, the, the four seasons. We, we have to do a lot of work up front. But that is why it takes a year. And that is why we call it modern water. Why also modern water? Because we noticed that if you have the four seasons, then you have a very broad spectrum of frequencies in it. So that is why we also call it the broadband absorber. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Well, that's interesting thinking about, you know, just the cosmos, right? And the changing of seasons and the proximity of the moon and the sun and the various planets and whatnot. Um, when you think about the effect that even just the moon has on bodies of water, then that's a pretty good indication that there's something happening there, right? You look at the tide and the movement of water under these forces. It's it's really uh, it's really interesting. I never thought about it in that way. I'm sure some people are more attuned to astrological influences than others. Uh, my wife is very much follows that, and will be feeling off one day, and she'll say, "Oh, it's you know, it might have something to do with this planet or that planet," you know. I go, okay, maybe. I definitely know it's harder to sleep on a full moon. That's something I've learned as I get older. If I ever have a really poor night of sleep, it's pretty much guaranteed it's around a full moon. And I won't know that until afterwards. So it wasn't a placebo thing. I'll just think, God, what happened last night? My wife will say it was a full moon. There you go. It's it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty predictable at this point. So, you know, on those nights, I'll take a bunch of CBD or magnesium or whatever it is and try and beat nature. <laughs> but it's uh, it's fascinating that you guys realize that you have to 
allow that water to have that influence for such a long period of time to go through that natural cycle. That's very interesting. And then it was also interesting to see that uh, how did we find out that this was taking place. And uh, we, we had a lot of seeds and we measured them seven times 24 in the machine, the big fires. And then we measured the biophotons from the light influence. And then we saw waveforms. And suddenly we saw that the waveforms with our water, after treatment with our water, became much better and more balanced. And then we were figuring out where are these waveforms coming from? And then suddenly we found out, comparing it with other data systems, that it was exactly the moon cycle. Exactly. 15 minutes later, the seeds responded to the moon. Wow. And I can add to the different uh, research that we did to it. Actually, we found out that the water, in the same way, we found out that the water two hours before the sun rises, the water already knows that the sun, the sun is coming. And the, they are get, starting to uh, give more energy. And another uh, research which was very interesting for us uh, is actually that after uh, we did research, like we put uh, electrodes in plants, and they were measured 24-7 for a month. And by feeding the different waters and see what happens in their electrical capacity and stuff like that. And uh, we found out that after new moon, today it's new moon, so when you want to put some seeds in the ground, do it tomorrow, because we found that the plants at that moment, they give an explosion in light. That's the reason why in biodynamic farming they say that you have to put your seeds in the soil. Actually, we proved that they're right. They know it by their gut. But we can prove that they are right. So wow. Something in the soil, do it tomorrow. That's so cool. What a trip. Yeah, it's back to um, Rudolf Steiner, right? And, and the biodynamic farming. And it's just crazy that more research like that is, is not being done. And if it is done, it's not being better amplified. You know, I mean, these are such massive keys. Now we're talking about, you know, world hunger and the oncoming probably engineered famine uh, that we could be in for. And it's like you could solve so many problems just in agriculture by just following that one principle that's been identified and used in biodynamic farming. And there are probably hundreds of principles that are equally as impactful that we're either unaware of or it's just largely esoteric and not widely known. That's, that's really wild. Uh, I want to know about uh, one other study that I saw uh, that you guys were uh, had done, and it was about an upsurge of power capacity of water by three hundred percent. Is that something you could illuminate a bit for us? Mm, yeah. Uh, first of all, let me give you a little bit of background. After ten years of having our own research team, it's quite a big team at the end. We uh, found out that if we want to bring this water to the world, we had to test it by outside laboratories and institutes. So the last four years. Every test was done by outside universities. And sometimes, on one test, two, three different types of organizations to prove to the world that this is taking place. Yes. So that was, uh, for us, uh, very critical uh, at that moment of time. And, and what we saw is that certain plants responded in energy to 300% more and that had to do with the energy rate. You couldn't see it to the outside of the plant. A lot of people think, and that is a big miscommunication, especially now in agriculture, 
a lot of people think then that your plant is becoming bigger. And for a lot of people think that bigger is better. We found out that is absolutely not the case. What the plant is doing, he is building up his energy layer into the root system and it's in its communication system. And then it is building up the plant. And you can measure it in a taste and in the resistance. It was also for us because we were told so by so many people that, oh, it's becoming better if you do Vortex A or B or Crystal. We found out, no, very often we saw that at a certain time frame, the energy of the soil was leaking. So really you have to bring in the energy also back to the soil. And we found out that if we give the water to the plant, then there was an increase in energy in the plant of two, three hundred percent. Wow, that's bananas. That explains why my plants look so healthy and vibrant. <laughs> although, I, although I have to say some of my plants do have appeared since I started on this water with them, they do have appeared to actually grow fairly quickly too. But that could just be because I also repotted them after I bought them and gave them new soil and rock dust minerals and things like that. But I'm like, holy shit, these things are growing fast. It's, it's really interesting to observe. If you were lucky enough to hear episode 389 with Dr. Chris Wrench, you'll understand how important mitochondria is to your energy levels and overall health. So I'm always looking for ways to upgrade my mitochondria and age as slowly as possible through supplements and biohacks. My latest obsession in this category is something called MitoPure, a breakthrough postbiotic that activates your body's natural defense against aging and assists in mitophagy or the clearing out of old bogus mitochondria. It's the first product to offer a precise dose of a compound derived from pomegranate called urolithin A. In fact, MitoPure is the result of over 10 years of research by scientists at the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology. You can get your daily dose of 500 milligrams of MitoPure by using the berry powder, which I add to my smoothies, yogurt, and other drinks. And they also have a vanilla protein powder for muscle building and also soft gels for on-the-go convenience. This is a powerful and super easy way to upgrade mitochondrial function, increase cellular energy, and improve muscle strength. If that sounds like a good plan to you, here's what you do to get on a MitoPure subscription. Visit TimelineNutrition.com. And right now, as a special offer for you Lifestylist listeners, you can use the code LUKE10 to get 10% off any 2, 4, or 12-month MitoPure plan at TimelineNutrition.com. One thing where you can measure it with, we did it on electricity capacity and like Dolph said, and, and, uh, uh, many uh, issues, but the, one of the most important was measured in biophotons. If you know when a plant gives 200, 300% more biophotons, actually we grow also a microbiome on that water and we saw uh, 500% more biophotons in that microbiome. And uh, actually those biophotons this is light, this is energy, and it's being produced by the mitochondria. So actually it means an enhancement in, uh, in the mitochondria. Uh, so if you, the, that was, we already tested a long time ago, so there are different ways 
how you can look at it uh, from that perspective. Wow, that's wild. Uh, I interviewed uh, Gerald Pollack, the author of The Fourth Phase of Water recently. And of course, he has, I don't know if he discovered it, but has definitely illustrated that water has this fourth phase, this sort of gel-like phase, and that the water in and around ourselves is largely comprised of that type of water or that phase of water. Have you guys explored uh, how your technology uh, creates or interfaces with the fourth phase of water? Is there like exclusion zone water inside the wand or is that helping to build more of that exclusion zone water when you're treating it with the wand or anything of that nature? Well, probably we both spoke with him last week. Oh, cool. cool. <laughs> you know, uh, what he did was fantastic. He really found out that there is those easy zone in it. And he is explaining to the world what the zone is doing into a biological system. What we have found is that there is not only that part, there is also an information system connected to it. So probably these two areas have a connection to each other. And yes, absolutely, there is an easy zone, that's for sure. But what communication is into the world? What is the alphabet that it carries? So there is a lot of things that we have to go through and we. Uh, we love to do it with Jared Pollack because he, what he did was really fantastic. Oh man, he must love what you guys are doing. I mean, talk about someone who's devoted their life to water, man. It's just so cool. And in that episode, and we'll link to that for the listeners in the show notes, for the first hour of my interview with him, I was really interested in why there is so little research in the scientific community on water. It's been just totally discounted as meaningless for the most part. And so he gave me this whole history of how much of the research was actually stifled by the establishment and outliers like he and other has, others have been ridiculed for their research. It's sort of like, why even bother doing scientific research around water? Whereas to me, it's like, what else is there to research? Everything, the entire substrate of all life here and elsewhere, we can presume is water. So that was it was really interesting to hear scientific perspective on you know why there's so little information and it's largely unknown. So I'm sure he was really excited to see what you guys are up to. Uh, on on another kind of nuanced aspect of water, have you guys looked into uh, deuterium levels and deuterium depleted water and and uh, and all of that? I've done some a number again a number of podcasts about deuterium and, and all of that, does that play into any of your work at all? Or is that like outside of your, your realm? To be honest, it's outside. Um, uh, I just sent some of the water a couple of months ago to an uh, uh, Austria to see if the water changes into the deuterium. And to be honest, it doesn't. It stays the same, a little bit less. And um, so our technique is not going to deplete uh, the deuterium in, into the water. And uh, we still don't know. I know all the science about it, and many people now are completely into it because the deuterium, well, especially for cancer patients, you should drink the, the, uh, the deuterium depleted water. And um, we didn't do... I'm convinced that if you would combine it, you know, and get deuterium depleted water, and actually, we have some conversations now, maybe for the future, that's a nice combination. And then make it coherent, and you have a super plus. Wow, that's a good idea. I'm, I, I usually go through a cycle of two or three months of deuterium depleted water. I'm, I'm out of it right now. I gave the last of it uh, to my dog because she had a little tumor, and I was 
treating her with that and some other things. Um, but this is this gives me a good idea too. I mean, it's the company that I like is called Lightwater L I T E, and they make a really great um, ten parts per million deuterium depleted water, which is much more economical, especially for shipping too. You can take that and then dilute your spring water or filtered water that's probably you know 145, 155, and you can make yourself like a 85 or 95 parts per million deuterium depleted water just through dilution. But here's my idea: I'm gonna, next time I order that, I'm going to make myself a batch of say 85 parts per million deuterium depleted water, and then I'm going to get the analemma wand and actually structure that water. That's going to be my next experiment. Good. Yeah. Love to welcome. Yeah, very, very, very cool combination right there. Um, over here, it's very hard to find uh, deuterium depleted water. There are no companies in Europe where I know where you can find it. Got it. Yeah, I mean, there are very few anywhere, really. From what I understand, it's it's quite an expensive and complex process to produce it. I mean, it has something to do with nuclear reactors. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not just something you can do in your kitchen with a little device or something like that. Although people have tried to sell devices that supposedly do it, I, I don't think many of them are valid, if any. But yeah, I, I think that the, you know, the exclusion zone water, structured water, deuterium depleted water, these are three of the kind of leading edge elements of water that I'm really looking forward to um, observing as they continue to grow. Um, back to the communication network in water. I mentioned earlier the work of Austin Veda, who does this beautiful photography of water in its initial state of freezing. And for those listening, you're probably aware of this, you guys, but talk about like the ability to communicate with water. She'll put water next to a photograph or say words or even have a thought or a prayer and affect the structure of the water to the point where it actually mimics what it's being exposed to, which is extremely fascinating. Um, do you think that the water that you're creating with the analemma has the ability to carry information? As I guess what I'm going for here is, it's not like the water itself is communicating, but is it more that the water is a conduit for information or frequency? And is your water better at doing that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, the, the, the memory is probably not in the water, the communication not either. But due to the structure, it might have a communication with something that is having this information system available. So it is as if it is a mediator. So uh, She did a nice test, uh, uh, I remember. Uh, we haven't been speaking with her, but uh, I saw it somewhere, I think with Tom Cullen on the show, yeah. that uh, she said the water, if you put it in your mouth, the stick, for 40 seconds, and then swirl with the wand, actually, she said, you get medication for yourself. So there is a kind of intelligence in it, and uh, like you said before, she says it's like one big crystal. Probably that says it all. And because crystal is an information system, like we look at it as a radio. You know, when you dial, put your dial with radio and to a certain frequency, you get that frequency. And we see our water as one big radio, which gets the information that you need. And what she did, put it in her mouth for 40 seconds, and then swallow it, then you get the information well, uh, from yourself into it, but it changed it like into medication, how it works. I don't have a clue, but I thought it was a nice idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. trying it myself now. That's cool. But don't share this the stick with the rest of your family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, in terms of uh, light frequencies and their effect on water, this is something I talked to uh, Jerry Pollock about in terms of exclusion zone water. Something I've been doing just as an experiment is exposing my water to um, red light, near infrared, far infrared light. And I asked him if he thought that the water would be higher in exclusion zone water if I did that. And he couldn't verify it, of course, because he's a legitimate scientist and said, we haven't studied that per se. But he said, based on what he had researched, that that was a feasible strategy for invigorating your water. So that's part one. The other one is, you know, this is sort of folklore. I've not seen any research on it, but if you take Miran glass or Myron glass, some people call it, it's like a, a violet glass that I think eliminates some of the UV spectrum and, and just allows the ultraviolet or infrared or whatever to enter, that putting that out in the sun will structure your water. So I'm really interested in kind of how different color wavelengths of light affect water. Is that something you guys have looked into at all? Yeah. Uh, each frequency, each color has its own effect. And uh, the water is, what, what we already told you, is that water is a broadband absorber of electromagnetic fields, and light is one of them. But if you've been in only blue light or red light, then the water is immediately adapting itself to that specific color. And the longer you put it in, the more structure it gets to communicate with that. And you can measure that for a while. After a while, it's gone, but it stays there for a while. That's interesting. And also thinking about the way that much water is sterilized by running UV light over it, right? Where you essentially neutralize the life force in that water, which to me is a bad, a bad strategy for water that you want to be healthy. Which is why I like the spring water that's not been hit with UV. From what I understand, when you hit water with UV, what sterilizes it is that you're sort of corrupting the cellular structure of the water. Um, talk about dead water. It's probably as dead as you could get if you hit it with really strong UV light. So it's interesting that light has the ability to invigorate water, but other spectrums have the ability to actually neutralize it or render it um, almost inert or sterile, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Yeah. But that's why I th don't think that you can structure, to be honest, water with a mirror glass because it blocks the UV light. So the idea of the glass is that you preserve everything what's inside for a longer time. And But water meets everything. That's also the issue with the UV sterilization. You just add one frequency in it. So it kills the bacteria, but it's not the full spectrum. All, I mean, the whole spectrum should be in it. That's why we like to use that one. It's not necessary, but sometimes it's nice to do an upgrade, you know, put a, the, the, an alema stick just for a short while in the sun outside, but the whole sun, the whole spectrum. We are built for the whole spectrum and not just for small spectrum. Nothing wrong with uh, infrared. It's very healthy. But I would like to sit all day, you know, just in an infrared uh, sauna. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that was another one of my questions. Why you recommend taking the wand out, I think, once a week and exposing it to full spectrum natural sunlight? I guess, I guess you answered that question without me asking. Now, since your wand is quartz, 
versus glass, it's allowing the full spectrum of sunlight to interface with the water, the mother water inside versus if it was glass, we'd be totally eliminating the UVB and different um, spectrum of light. Is that kind of part of the puzzle there? Yes. And and is is that step of putting the wand out in the sun, is it just, you said an upgrade, so it's not critical, like you have to do it for it to keep working, but it What's it going to do? Make it stronger, faster, last longer? What What do you think the effect would be of, of adding that practice? Uh, it, it still remains, even if you don't do it for a year, it still remains working. That's no problem. But at that moment of time, you give it a little bit of connection again with, with all the UV frequencies, and it picks it up, and you notice that. But it keeps on working. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. Okay, awesome. Well, hot damn. Uh, the last things I wanted to ask you guys, you've already really answered before, and that was around your long-term vision, you know, the ultimate goal of actually, you know, reinvigorating the water of the whole planet. And the thing that I wanted to ask was like, are you going to have a whole house system, something for the swimming pool, uh, you know, <laughs> something to make this more accessible in a residential setting or a, even, you know, in someone's office or something like that, where they could install a unit and have all of that water that's coming through be structured as long as yours remains structured, which is fascinating. Yeah, the answer is yeah. the answer is yes. And uh, but one of the items for for uh, us is that it must be not too big, it must be easy, and it must also be cheap. So we work on that, and I think the first systems will be on the market during this year already. Oh wow, cool man! I'm I'm on board. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. That's so cool. Because you'll all be out in my swimming pool with this little wand, you know. Trying to, I wonder how many hours I have to vortex this water out here. That's really cool, man. Well, God, thank you guys so much for uh, coming on the show and for the work you're doing. Your kindred spirits, man, and caring about our water and how it affects us and everyone on the planet. Yeah. Why don't you put your wand just for a night in your swimming pool? Just leave it over there. Oh, really? Okay. Okay, cool. Because that water is circulating. It's not just sitting there, right? So if I left it in long enough, in theory, it would touch that mother water uh, over a period of time. Yeah. I'm on it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm actually, I haven't taken mine out in the sun yet. So I'm going to take it out in the sun today, then put it in the pool and tell the pool guy to not break it. <laughs> let, let us know, Luke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's very cool. Um, anything you guys want to add? Did I did I miss anything that you wanted to touch on, or you feel complete? No, no, no. As a matter of fact, I think it's very important. People start to get much more understanding upon all the elements of the world. And you said already, everything is communicating with each other. And I think it's time now that we start to understand that much, much better and show a little bit more respect to it. I agree. I agree. Thank you. You're part of nature and nature is not as part of us. Yeah. I had a realization uh, a couple of years ago, really beautiful experience out in nature uh, with happened to be assisted by eating uh, quite a large quantity of psilocybin. But uh, I was out in nature and just to join myself and, and I had the the initial realization, Luke, man, you got to get out. You got to be in nature more. You got to go out into nature. And then this sort of voice, the proverbial voice of wisdom from above came and said, Luke, it's not that you need to get out into nature. It's that you need to remember that you are nature. That's it. And That's that was it. just, that change, it change, you know, and you know, you could have that realization without eating mushrooms too. It just happened. <laughs> it happened to be how it went down that day. And I think because I was in such a receptive state that when that, 
when that realization hit me, as simplistic as it is probably to some, it just, it changed my whole life. Oh. And that, that's why, one of the reasons now I'm the guy I'm talking to my plants, you know, in the house and loving them. And I, and I, fe- I feel them responding to that. And, and then they in turn respond to me and offer beauty and oxygen and all of the things that, um, that plants have the ability to offer. So I love the work you guys are doing and the fact that you're helping people to understand that this is one cohesive system of life and that we're not apart from it. And if I think if more of us realize that, just deeply uh, realize it, not as an intellectual construct, but really an understanding that that's the truth, uh, that we would treat one another and the planet much differently. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's yeah. kind of like if, if you think about someone throwing some litter out of their car, which I used to see in LA all the time and I would get so pissed. But if you see someone throwing litter out of their car, that's someone who just doesn't realize they just threw that litter on themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you exactly. just dump that McDonald's wrapper in your own lap, like because you are the ground that you're throwing that yeah. trash onto. So yeah, I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate your perspective and the work you guys are doing. All right, well I'll let you guys out of here. Uh, I'm sure it's late wherever you are in the world uh, if you're somewhere in Europe. So thank you so much again, and um, for those listening. If you want to check out their technology, again, the link there is lukestory.com slash analemma, A-N-A-L-E-M-M-A. And the discount code is Luke5. I'm a huge supporter and glad for what you guys are doing. And please keep me posted as you have further developments and you start to you know, expand your line. I'm happy to help support you guys in any way I can. Good. Well, Thank Luke. you for having us. All right. Okay. You guys take care. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, thanks for joining me on yet another water expedition on the Lifestylist podcast. And for those of you who are intrigued by our guest's invention, remember your 5% discount code of Luke5, which you can use at lukestory.com slash analemma. As you might have guessed from this conversation, I love this thing. And I actually used it again yesterday to water all of my plants, then to structure the new water I used to fill up my Morosco Forge ice bath. And I also, of course, use it to restructure all of our live spring water bottles that get delivered on a bi-weekly basis. So I'm quite certain that this thing, as strange as it is, helps to reinvigorate any water I treat with it. So it's definitely worth an experimentation, in my humble opinion. Okay, on to next week's episode. This one features one of my all-time favorite guests and thought leaders, and I've been working on this booking for the past couple of years, so it's with great joy that I bring to you Dr. Gabor Mate. We'll discuss the epidemic cycle of trauma and addiction to find true healing and liberation. So if you or someone you love is struggling with addiction or other repercussions of unhealed trauma, I gotta say next week's show is an absolute must listen. So make sure to click subscribe or follow on your podcast app player of choice so you don't miss that or any other episodes to follow. And lastly, before we get out of here, I'll remind you to come hang with me and my wife, Allison, at the upcoming Modern Nirvana Summit in Austin, Texas on September 23rd, where we'll be giving a talk on spiritual relationships along with other speakers like Guru Dev, Dave Asprey, and many other past guests of this very show. We were there last year, and uh, this event is next level, folks. It's a perfect blend of wellness tech and mindfulness, meditation, breathwork, and even dance for those of you who are so inclined. But don't count on me getting out there with you. But I'll definitely be at my gilded booth where Allison will be uh, sharing her new Animal Power book and card deck with you folks as well. So it's going to be a real humdinger and I can't wait to see you there. To get your tickets to the Modern Nirvana event, 
just simply visit lukestory.com slash events, where you will also find a nice 15% discount code for your tickets. Again, that's lukestory.com slash events. Okay, that's a wrap. I'll be back next week with Dr. Gabor Mate. Mm-hmm.